Sorry about that intro. I uh, wanted to record something simple, a little crunchy on guitar, and um, I did so with a microphone that wasn't really meant for it. So, <laughs> sorry, I'll, I'll record it later, something else, and clean it up a little bit. But for now, that's uh, what you get. Uh, anyway, welcome. Um, I'm TR Taylor. I'm uh, your host today, and there will be others joining in the future, but today you just get me. Welcome to episode one of Rover Podcasts, uh, Rover Football. And so uh, this episode being the first, uh, what I want to do is kind of introduce the podcast, myself, um, and and then we'll we'll talk a little bit of football. And uh, this is football as in American football Um, you know I I do love the other football the game that us Americans call soccer but this is football American football gridiron for uh, those of you down under Um, a little bit uh, about me Uh, I am a winemaker by trade uh, for family business out here in Sacramento a uh, little plug. It's Todd Taylor Wines. Since there's no you know sponsors, this one this episode's brought to you by Todd Taylor Wines. Uh, we make all red wines here in the Sacramento area. But um, as it relates to football, um, my background really, I uh, I played high school football. I also coached high school football for four years. I'm definitely what you'd call a football junkie. Uh, I love the game. I coached uh, primarily offensive and defensive line, but I had a hunger to learn anything I could about every position. Um, in in that time, I learned a lot from my friend and mentor, Bob Lee, who's coached out here in the Sacramento area for 30-plus years. Um, but uh, ultimately... Unfortunately, winemaking season and football season are the same time of year. So uh, for four years, it was really cool. It actually worked out that um, I I got to just smash a bunch of grapes and then leave the cleanup to my parents and then just go coach football. (laughs) So that was pretty awesome. But uh, after four years, I decided to focus full time on that. But I still love the game. I've done a little bit of kind of freelance journalism uh, for startups and I guess for Bleacher Report way back in the day when just anybody could write for Bleacher Report. Um, but yeah, I, I still, you know, this is something I kind of want to do to keep, you know, talking about the game and um, and really keep on it. So um, this particular podcast is is going to be a football podcast for those who want a little more um y- you know y- something a little more in depth than you know you'll get from mainstream stuff like espn or whatnot um you, you know i 
you know, whether that's a little more X's and O's, a little more um, in-depth analysis of personnel or scheme or, or just, just what have you. Um, you know, f- football is interesting in that it's, it's one of the most popular sports in this country, if not the most popular sport. And yet its fan base probably understands it the least compared to fan bases of other sports. And that probably is a result of the, you know, the fact that the game is, um, it, it is the most complex sport of of them all and and it's just by its design it's because um you know it's it's a what you do within the game is opposed to other games which continue and keep going you take a break every every play to huddle up and strategize and decide how are we going to beat the other team and then you come back out and you do it again and then you go back and huddle up and and that's in addition to the fact that you just spent all week strategizing for how to beat this team and drawing up a game plan so you know it's it's just for that very reason that yeah you're you're going to get more complexity in the sport and thus you know there's just more to it's it's you know a little harder to understand you know what while people might get really excited for big plays or sacks it you know, maybe people don't fully understand what all went into making that happen. So, um, you know, I, I kind of want to give, uh, you know, talk about the, the game and what's going on in it, but also give a little more, uh, you know, depth to the game, uh, a little more, a little more perspective in, in that in that regard. So, um, and, and so what I want to do is start, this is the off season, and I'd like to start out by kind of breaking down uh, how every team's off season has gone and what the outlook is um, for them going into this, into this season. And uh, I'll do that division by division. So um, let's get started on that. We're going to start our divisional breakdown uh, with the AFC West on this episode for two reasons. One, I'm on the West Coast, so it makes sense. But two, my favorite team is in that division. And uh, we're about to lose our one follower because that team is the Oakland soon-to-be Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, what's been going on? Well... A lot with the Raiders. Uh, basically, John Gruden has been playing Madden franchise mode with a real NFL team. I mean, it's crazy. I mean, he, I, I can't remember anybody coming in and wheeling, dealing, trading, and, and just doing whatever he wants with the team. It's, it's crazy. Um, and... and that's because, I mean, he's, he knows he's got immunity. He has a 10-year, $100 million deal, something no coach has ever had. So, <laughs> I mean, he could go 0-16 next year, and he still wouldn't lose his job. He knows he wouldn't because Mark Davis literally cannot afford to fire him. 
<laughs> so um, he's operating with the knowledge that he can do whatever he wants to build the team his way. It's, it's kind of crazy because, um, you know, any coach is trying to win as soon as possible because they, you know, you know, every coach in the NFL, as soon as they get the job, they're on the hot seat. Um, so, you know, you don't have the luxury of just totally redoing the team the way you want it to be. You have got to take what you can, add what you can, and win now. Not John Gruden. No, sir. So, uh, let's let's get to <laughs> some of what's going on. Uh, we'll, we'll start with our key additions for the year. Um, they went and, you know, traded for Antonio Brown. Uh, that's That was a well-publicized trade. Um, arguably still the best receiver in the NFL, if not top three. Um, but he, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get more into that in a little bit. Also went and signed wide receiver Terrell Williams from the Chargers. Uh, tackle Trent Brown from the Patriots. Lamarcus Joyner, defensive back. Uh, went and signed Richie Incognito. Uh, Vontez Perfect, those two definitely some colorful options. And linebacker Brandon Marshall. Uh, we also went in, in the draft. It's a big draft for the Raiders with three first round picks. Uh, those were a defensive end, Cleland Farrell. Farrell, 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 I, I, I've heard it both ways. And, uh, but anyway, defensive end from Clemson. Running back Josh Jacobs from Alabama. Jonathan Abram, a safety from Mississippi State. Got cornerback Trayvon Mullen in the second round out of Clemson. And I'm typically going to keep the draft to you know big impact players, early, early picks. But I'm going to talk about somebody undrafted here. Um, because in, in any Notre Dame fan, football fans that are listening... You will agree with me on this. I have no idea how linebacker Tavon Coney went undrafted. No idea. Ended up signing him. Um, I'll talk about him a little bit later. Anyway, key losses. Um, only real big losses we had this offseason worth, worth noting are tight end Jared Cook, who was Derek Carr's favorite target last year. Uh, Drew Brees is going to love him down uh, there in New Orleans. And K.O., Kelechi Osemele, a guard that we traded to the Jets. He was uh, injured for quite a bit of last year, but if he's healthy, man, Jets, you got a, a hell of a player. But I still got to mention guys we lost during or just before last year in Khalil Mack and Amari Cooper. Um, I think I speak for all Raider fans I don't care. We, we we got a lot for him, but my God, we will we are uh, not really going to get over that anytime soon. Um, <laughs> Amari Cooper, uh, y- you know, yeah, it was hard to watch him go off on what was it Thanksgiving or whatever. But um, you know, as Raider fans, we know he he's a a very hot, very cold player. He just wasn't panning out to be the guy we wanted. Uh, Dallas, good, good luck. Maybe he will for you guys, and, and I hope he does. I, I mean, I'm not kidding. That's a guy that one game a year, at least, he would come out and and he would play so well that you're like, oh, my God, that's the best receiver in the NFL. 
and then he just disappears for like six games or something. So, you know, maybe you guys can draw the consistency out of him that, that the Raiders can, uh, could not. Um, but let's talk about positions of strength for this team. Uh, quarterback Derek Carr. I know that one's a little controversial, but if you don't think Derek Carr is very good, then I don't know what to say, man. You haven't been watching him play. Um, Derek's an absolute stud. We're really not that far removed from his MVP caliber season, uh, where I mean, it was the year that we got to the playoffs, but unfortunately, he broke his leg. Uh, with two weeks to go in the season, I was at that game, and you have never seen fifty-five thousand people so dead silent. Yeah, that was heartbreaking. Um, since then, I mean, last year he carried an absolutely terrible roster. Um, I mean, you know, he his top two receivers from the previous year in Amari Cooper and Michael Crabtree were gone. And it actually wasn't that uncommon for him to be throwing to guys who he didn't even have in the offseason. I mean, there was a week where his number one target was a guy they had signed the previous week. Uh, it, it, it was a rough year to just to be Derek Carr. Uh, this year, though, he's got definitely the best supporting cast he has had. Um, he's got uh, John Gruden, who is still a great play caller. Um, I'm excited to see how they'll progress in year two together. Um, and, and really excited to see another position of strength, wide receiver. Um, like I said, I went and acquired Antonio Brown, who is, uh, as good as they come in the league. He's as hard a working guy as there is. And this is going back to, um, you know, it's interesting as long, you know, earlier in the season, well before they ever even talked about trading for him when the Raiders and Steelers played, John Gruden was talking about how his time as a, and as, as his time as an announcer, he went and watched the Steelers practice and Antonio was practicing as hard as anybody he'd ever seen since Jerry Rice. Uh, you know, definitely... Uh, rubs people the wrong way with his personality and I get that but uh, Antonio and Derek have been bonding this offseason in that they, they both have incredible work ethics and, and they want to make something great together so that'll be exciting to watch uh, Tyrell Williams uh, he's a hell of a deep threat really a nice compliment to Antonio Brown um, very athletically talented receiver. Uh, you know, not, not quite the kind of guy that, that Derek Carr has had to throw to in his NFL career. Um, between the two of them, should be very exciting, very hard to cover. The only question after that is who's ready to step in and play on, you know, third and fourth fiddle there. Uh, between free agents they've signed like J.J. Nelson, journeymen like Ryan Grant, uh, Marcel Aitman, who was a rookie last year, forced into playing time due to all these injuries that, that happened last year and, and players getting cut and traded, um, you know, actually showed some things. Rookie Hunter Renfro out of Clemson could could be up for a bigger role, too. Uh, question is, which one of them is going to emerge? 
Um, the last position of strength I have for this team, uh, and I know I'm going to have to defend this a little bit, is the secondary. Yes, the secondary. Um, and, and I, you know, the reality is Gary Ann Conley and Daryl Worley, uh, they actually played pretty well at corner last year, especially as the season went on. The thing you got to remember Last year's pass rush was historically bad. I mean, they had 13 sacks as a team. I think Khalil Mack last year had 12 and a half. Pretty much Khalil Mack had as many sacks as the Oakland Raiders last year. That's how dismal, that's, that's how poor this pass rush was. And you could give us... You know, Charles Woodson, Namdi Asamo, and Mike Haynes in their prime. I don't care how good your secondary is. Without that, with a pass rush like that, eventually you just, you can't cover forever. Um, trust me, these corners are, are, are rock solid. Um, you got a guy in Carl Joseph who's in a critical year. He's done a lot of good things as he's played, did a lot of good things last year. Um, the question is, will he be great? Will will he you know take the take the step up? They challenged him this year by declining his his last you know his fifth year option. Um, you know supposedly he's been lighting up uh, you know OTAs and uh, we'll see how he does in his second year in Paul Gunther's scheme. Uh, he's he's got a pretty diverse skill set. Um, you know I'm I'm excited to see what he what what he does this year. Uh, we got a, a guy who played a lot last year in Eric Harris, uh, who's just a good, solid football player. The guy can make a tackle. Um, you, you know, he, he, he's that kind of, you know, <laughs> kind of a classic safety, where you get the word, where he's, he's not going to let a lot uh, get past him. Um, but he's, he's definitely in a position where I want him to be, where he's just a good depth and rotation guy. Um because we've got a couple of other guys ahead of him. So my favorite signing of our offseason, actually, was LaMarcus Joyner from the Rams. I've been a fan of this guy since his college days at Florida State. He does it all. Um, you know, he can line up anywhere, corner, nickel, safety. I, I don't care what. He can cover whoever you put him on. He's He's the modern defensive back you know he's, he's kind of uh you know what you got from like a you know a, a guy like eric berry or something where where he, he makes the call he makes the defensive call into the right call what i mean is um you know the offense comes out motions does whatever does does something where you get the wrong matchup or you're not ready for that extra receiver out there he can go cover that guy. He can go make sure that you are in the right call. He he can, and that's that's something that's an underrated element of uh, defenses. This you know in this day and age, you've got to have you know it, it's it's less about free safety, strong safety, corner, nickel. You know, like that's that's not really how it's broken down anymore these days. And this you know in general, you just need guys who can cover. And that's what Lamarcus Joyner is. He's a guy who can cover. Um, so very excited about him. Uh, also at safety, we drafted Jonathan Abram out of Mississippi State. 
Um, he's looking to step in and start probably right next to Carl Joseph. Um, and so uh, what, what I like about him, um, the, the guy, he, he, I do like his, his talent, of course. He's very much, uh, you know, he, he's definitely a hard hitter. He can, he can and a sure tackler. He's got a nose for the ball and, and can take great angles and, and weave through traffic. Um, I think... I think he's underrated when it comes to corner, or when it comes to just coverage ability, um, and and I'm excited to watch him uh, develop and actually learn a lot from Lamarcus Joyner and really have just uh, you know become a very complete defensive back. Uh, but what I really like about him, and you can go back and watch this, uh, is uh, you know this kind of sums up his attitude when you know when you're a first round pick, the coach and uh, DB, um, or sorry, the co- the, the coach and and, uh, and GM will call the player and say, "Hey, congratulations, we're picking you in the first round, whatever." But the Raiders filmed each one of them, and when they called him, uh, John Gruden, you know, congratulated him and everything, and then he said, "Hey, so you know, this off season, I'm going to be calling plays against you." And he said right away, I'm going to light your ass up, coach. <laughs> this is the guy who just gave you a job, made you a first-round pick, and you're already talking shit. I, I love it. It's kind of the kind of attitude you need on, on defense. Uh, we'll see if Trayvon Mullen is ready to contribute. Um, played very well last year. He's a very long corner. Um, but, you know, it would be interesting. He's... he's uh, kind of the opposite of Gary and Conley coming out of college. Conley played across from, uh, you know, guys like Marshawn Lattimore and Eli Apple. So he actually got challenged a lot in college and, um, you know, because people preferred to throw his way and he had to defend and, and break up a lot of passes. Trayvon Mullen, kind of the opposite. He was the guy they tried to avoid. Uh, so we'll see if he's ready to step into the NFL spotlight right away. And, um, and, you know, the, the game's a different speed. So, again, the secondary's biggest problem last year was not the secondary. It was the worst pass rush in the NFL. Which brings me to positions that need to prove it. Um, starting with that defensive line. The whole defensive line, well, well, a lot of it looks different. Um, starting with the number four overall pick of the draft, Cleland Farrell who was very controversial, but it, it's like this. Like I mentioned, John Gruden, I know I'm spending a little bit extra time on the Raiders, probably being on their teams, but it's my Raiders, so whatever. That's, that's what I'm going to do. <laughs> uh, Cleveland Farrell, uh, or, you know, John Gruden, like I said, he's got immunity, so he can build the team that he wants to build. And so him and Mayock, what they're, what they're going for is this, and, and, Trust me, I between playing and coaching football, I saw different locker room cultures. It's hard when you don't have the right culture, to, you know. And and when you have a culture of team players that just, you know, when when your locker room is, it's just expected that you'd come in and work hard and and everybody there wants to win. Ask the Patriots; it makes all the difference in the world. So. John Gruden and Mike Mayock, you know, it, it's it's one thing to go and bring in one guy who's a leader. It's a whole 
different thing to parachute a group of guys into the into the locker room right there onto the practice facilities that want to win that have a hunger to come in and work hard and and play hard and that's it's contagious and what they did was they went and drafted all guys that do that and sign guys that are there to work hard and and above all else just want to win so yeah would Cleland Farrell have been there at pick 20? It's possible. I mean, that's what all the mock drafts said, but who? they're, they're mock drafts. Y- yeah, he, four might have been a little higher than they needed to, but that's bullshit. Uh, who cares? I mean, it, it comes down to this. If Cleland Farrell is starting for the Raiders in five years, nobody's going to look back and go, yeah, but you could have got him at 20. No, who who cares? You pick the guy in the first round, and he stays as a starter. Not only that, the reason they picked this guy is that Clemson championship defensive line, they asked, they asked everybody there, who's your leader? Who's the leader of this defense? And they all pointed at him. That's just the kind of personality he is. Um, you know, he, he definitely is a guy who had production in college. Uh, he's, he's strong, athletic. He can play run and pass. You know, he's just a complete defensive lineman who is an absolute leader. And, um, you know, I'm definitely okay with the pick. What we got then after that is uh, we got Arden Key, who was a rookie last year, who was only supposed to be kind of a, a you know, situational pass rusher. Um, well, that didn't happen. He got thrust into a starting role. Uh, and he just wasn't ready for it. But supposedly he's added weight. He's up to 260 pounds, which he needed to do. Um, we'll see if he can Im- if he's improved. Um, defensive line coach that they just got this year, Brenston Buckner, is known for being a technician. Um, we'll see what he can do to help Arden Key out and help all these guys really develop. I'm also excited. We we brought back for his second stint with the team, Benson Mayoa. Um, He's gone on to be fairly productive uh, since he left the Raiders. And uh, the three of them in a rotation between Farrell, Key, and, and Benson Mayo, uh, you know, def- definitely, well, let's put it this way. It can't be worse than last year, that's for sure. Uh, at three tech, you got uh, a, a duo between uh, Maurice Hurst and P.J. Hall, two uh, rookies last year. They both played pretty well. P.J. Hall uh, struggled with some injuries, but while he was on the field, uh, definitely explosive, disruptive, um, you know, guy who was definitely present in other teams' backfield. Same with Maurice Hurst. Uh, you know, it should be very exciting to see how they do in their sophomore campaigns. At Nose, you got another duo ro- rotating between John Hankins and Justin Ellis, a.k.a. Jelly. Um you know, definitely, you know, providing the beef there. So it's like this to me. This defensive line, they're relying a lot on rookies and second-year players and um, not a lot of proven, um, you know, talent production there, but definitely high potential. I think the what, you know, the, their key to success is going to be a rotation. They've got a lot of guys they feel comfortable playing, not necessarily any guys that are, you know, absolute staples. Like a Khalil Mack, you just put him out there as much as he possibly can play. But 
you know, with these guys, I think you got to go a little bit of what, what you know what worked for the the Tom Coughlin Giants, which is rotating your defensive line, keeping them fresh, keeping guys out there that are ready to ready to roll, ready to pass rush, uh, and I think that's that's what's going to help them this year. Um, also, got to prove it, the linebacking core, which luckily I don't think a lot of guys are going to start from last year, which is a good thing. Uh, brought in free agents Brandon Marshall, Vontez Burfick. The question is, can they still play at a high level? Uh, Brandon Marshall kind of fills more of that like weak side linebacker coverage role. Vontez Burfick, uh, more of a traditional Mike uh, downhill thumper. Uh, but again, like I mentioned earlier, I'm very excited. I've never been this excited about an undrafted free agent. Tavon Coney. The guy was an absolute stud in college. Tackle machine, can take on a block and shed it like like nobody's business, understands passing lanes and how to get in the way. I, I can't figure it out. I've been trying to research this and find out why was this guy undrafted. I, I can't figure it out. I'm just very excited. If we had drafted him, even as high as the second round, I would have been happy. But to get him for nothing, absolute steal. Um, Look for him to be a guy who, who probably as the season goes on, uh, can hopefully uh, you know take on more playing time. Another position's got to prove it is the offensive line. Uh, Rodney Hudson at center is as good as it gets in the league, but you know you, you got you got other positions. Gabe Jackson, uh, he had a bit of a down year in his first year with Tom Cable. Uh, we'll look to see him regain the form that he had before that, um, where he was one of the better guards in the league. At left guard, you got a competition going on in camp between Richie Incognito and Denzel Good, who filled in uh, due to injuries last year and actually played pretty well. So, um, you know, between the two of them, you should have a solid guard, whoever wins that competition. Last year's first-round pick in Colton Miller, uh, he actually played pretty well very early on in the season, but then uh, picked up an injury and definitely was slower. Definitely did not, you know, had, had a disappointing rookie year after that. Uh, we'll see if he's healthy and ready to build on that year. Um, and that right tackle, we got the biggest person in the NFL in Trent Brown. Um, you know, a lot of... A lot was made about the making him the highest paid lineman in the NFL, and uh, who, who cares, honestly? And, and well, and then moving him to right tackle. But it, let's get real. It's in the modern day NFL. You need both tackles. You, you need it. Let's look at just the AFC West, who we're gonna you know we're gonna talk about here soon. You got. Well, let's say you're playing the Broncos. They got Von Miller and Bradley Chubb. You need two tackles to, against that team. Play the Chargers. You got Melvin Ingram and Joey Bosa. Guess what? You need two very good tackles. So, you know, you, in today's NFL, you got to look at the right tackle as a premium position as well. Uh, so, uh, it's been a revolving door for many years at right tackle. Hopefully, Trent Brown can provide that stability. At tight end, still hurts to lose Jared Cook. 
Um, but they didn't really bring in anybody except for uh, late in the draft. That the reason is apparently they're excited about this guy, Darren Waller. Um, they signed him uh, during the season last year. He didn't play a lot, but uh, he, he. So this is a guy that the Ravens drafted as a receiver and converted him to tight end. Um, he worked on that for about two for two years, and then he was suspended. And they had a lot of high hopes for him as a as a tight end. So we'll see. Um, they're definitely giving him a chance to take that starting role. Oh, and hopefully he's ready. Uh, and last up, we got the running back. Um, after Marshawn Lynch went down last year, Doug Martin and Jalen Richard filled in. They both played admirably, but. Uh, they weren't really keeping defensive coordinators up at night. Uh, you know, Doug ran hard. Jalen's a pretty nice third down back, basically. But uh, enter Josh Jacobs from Alabama. Uh, I'm typically not a guy that's for drafting a running back in the first round, but uh, you know, just just due to the fact that it's you know an injury-prone position, just due to the rough workload, and you typically don't get. Uh, quite the return, but if you're gonna make it a first, make a running back a first round pick, I don't mind Josh Jacobs. This guy can do it all. Um, you know, he had a limited workload last year, uh, just because it's Alabama and they're loaded at running back with guys that are all gonna be first and second round picks. So, you know, they all shared the ball, but he did a little bit of everything. He he ran hard between the tackles, outside the tackles. He could catch passes. He was able to block. I mean, the guy can do it all. He's he's a pretty strong runner. He's got decent speed, not that game-breaking torch everybody speed, but he he you know he's got enough. Um, you know what what it seems John Gruden saw in this guy. He's looking. John Gruden's always been looking for the next Roger Craig. You know, the guy who, who was the do-it-all running back in the old Niners West Coast offense. And uh, I think John thinks he's found his new Roger Craig, and that's why he went and spent the first-round pick on him. Um, so with that, looking at the Raiders' schedule, it's, it's, a, it's a tough one. It's actually the hardest schedule in the league if you look at 2018 win percentage. Uh, you know, you also play in a very tough division in the AFC West. Uh, the NFC North, the, the AFC West plays against the NFC North and the AFC South this year. Um, I don't think there's a cakewalk in that whole stretch. All those teams are pretty solid squads. Um, and, and then you got the Jets, uh, also thrown in there as as a non-division opponent and you know, the Jets definitely have some scary pieces on defense and according to Pro Football Focus Sam Darnold was the best quarterback in the league last year during weeks 16 and 17 so we'll see what he does as a sophomore um, add to that but the fact that due to them moving and the NFL requires it the Raiders play an international game they play in London and during that so there, there's a six-week stretch where they will not play a game in front of their home crowd in Oakland. Um, they have five games and a bye in that stretch, and they only have one quote-unquote home game, but that's the London game. So that's six weeks without a game in Oakland. You know, that's a tough stretch. Add to that hard knocks. Uh, 
it's a bit of a weird season. Um, <laughs> uh, for a prediction, you know, maybe I'm biased here, but whatever. I, I've got them between a 7 to 10 wins. Um, you know, you, you definitely got a tough schedule, but this is a team that's much improved. Really, it comes down to this. This is a team... You know, I think I can pretty confidently say they're going to score a lot of points. The question is, can the defense keep any points off the board? Uh, if you're just uh, a fan of the game and not necessarily uh, a Raider fan or a Raider hater, I think the Raiders are going to be a fun team to watch just because there's going to be a lot of points on the boards. Um, let me tell you that much. Uh, so that's my outlook for the Raiders. Uh Next up, let's talk about the Denver Broncos. Key additions. I'm actually going to start with coaches in Vic Fanjo at head coach and your offensive line coach in Mike Munchak. As a Raider fan, I was not happy to see them get Vic Fanjo. This is a guy who's very well respected in the league and coached some just great defenses. He's actually... Um, it's interesting because Denver, obviously, as you know, we're going to talk about it here in a little bit, but great defensive player personnel, and we've seen uh, quite a few defensive minds come through there and, and employ them in different ways. And so it'll be fun to see Vic put his spin on it. Not fun as a Raider fan, but fun as a football fan. And Mike Munchak is as good an offensive line coach as there is in the league. Um, that's that's a very underrated. Uh, uh, addition to your team, Denver fans. Uh, key additions here: you got a new quarterback in Joe Flacco. He signed a tackle in uh, Juwan James. Uh, a pair of cornerbacks in Kareem Jackson and Bryce Callahan. And you also went and drafted tight end Noah Font, guard Dalton Reisner, quarterback Drew Locke, and defensive lineman Dremont Jones. Key losses: I only listed a couple here. You got Brandon Marshall and Bradley Roby, uh, cornerback and a, and a linebacker there. Uh, Brandon Marshall, who I mentioned earlier. Um, but let's let's talk about this team. Let's let's talk about uh, their strengths here. Uh, you got to start with that pass rush, which is just outrageous. You got Von Miller. I don't need to talk about Von Miller. You know just how outrageously good he is. Bradley Chubb exploded onto the scene last year as a rookie. He's probably going to be even more dangerous in his second year. That's as good a duo of edge rushers as you can get. Uh, probably the most underrated player on this defense is Shelby Harris, who once was a Raider. I was not happy when we let him go. But, man, this guy does a lot for you. Uh, the, num the numbers may not be there, but this guy contributes a lot and enables a lot for your team between the run and the pass. He's one hell of a player. You got Derek Wolf, very solid, disruptive defensive lineman. Uh, we'll see how much, as a rookie, Jermont Jones can contribute on the interior there. Uh, I thought he was a steal at the at where you were able to draft him. That's you know, he's a very good player, very solid addition there. Overall, this might be the best pass rush in the NFL. That's not even a stretch to say. That's they're so friggin' talented. It's it's ridiculous. Um, other positions of strength: running back Philip Lindsay was a breakout 
last year that just lit everybody up. And he's only going to get better with Mike Munchak as the offensive line coach. Which brings me to the other another position of strength here in the offensive line itself. Um, again, you're going to get better with Mike Munchak. Did I mention I like Mike Munchak as a coach? The, you're you're going to just watch this, this offensive line soar here. Uh, left to right here, left tackle, you got Garrett Bowles. He's young. He he can he definitely can improve. Uh, he's a talented player. He had a lot of penalties last year, um, but you got to look at something. This is this is his third year, and this is going to be his third offensive line coach. That's not helpful for your development as a young player. Um, but I I think in his third year and now having. Probably his best, definitely his best offensive line coach in that time. I'm looking for him to get better. At left guard, you got Ronald Leary. Who's, uh, you got to wonder if he's healthy. If he is coming off his Achilles injury, um, that's a solid, solid player at left guard. Uh, last year at center, Matt Pardis went down, and a guy named Connor McGovern stepped in, and Connor played good. Connor played very well last year, so well that. They let Matt walk, and they're letting him keep the center job. Um, and with how well he played last year, that's a, that's a very smart decision. At right guard, they're looking to plug in the rookie, Dalton Reisner. Uh, he's a very, very good player in college. Uh, and the question is, can he plug and play? I think he actually is ready to step in and start as a guard in the, in the NFL. Um, the right tackle, you got Juwan James. You paid big money for him. I think there's no reason to think he'll be any different than he has been his whole career, which is just a solid NFL starter. Definitely a guy who belongs on, as a starting right tackle in the NFL. Uh, and, and like I said earlier, you need two of them, especially in this division. You need two of them, uh, at, you know, meaning two tackles. So uh, that, that's definitely a good signing. Uh, in the secondary is, is the last position of strength here. Uh, you got Chris Harris, who's just one of the best in, in the league. Uh, across from him, you know, you lost you lost Roby, but but signed uh, Kareem Jackson. You know, he's, he's a good good quality veteran. The guy is is been very consistent throughout his career I don't think there's any reason to think there'll be any he'll be any different here uh, you can feel very comfortable with him starting on the opposite side there at nickel you got Bryce Callahan uh, he's coming off a broken foot so we'll see if he's healthy if he's healthy he's he's gonna be a, a very nice third third corner there um, at safety you got two guys in Will Parks and Justin Simmons who, who they definitely played solid last year. Um, you know, the question will be, can they maintain that and improve in, in, uh, you know, in, in a new scheme? Uh, it certainly helps to have that pass rush in front of you. Uh, positions where they're going to have to prove it. Uh, in general, I'm looking at the run defense. Um, they're, you know, their their defensive line, while being an incredible pass rush, tends to be just a little bit smaller, uh, just just a little. But 
at linebacker, um, you got two guys in, in Todd Davis. He, 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 he did, he played well last year as a starter. You also got Josie Jewell, um, who was a rookie last year. He played a lot. Um, you, you know, he looked okay at times, but, uh, Vic Fangio says he likes him and that is always a good thing. If, if a guy like that is, is confident in your abilities. So, um, yeah, def- definitely. Position's got to prove it, but uh, they've, they've got a nice supporting cast in front of them. Quarterback, uh, definitely a position that's got to prove it. You got Joe Flacco, who is Joe Flacco. Uh, you know, he's he's won a Super Bowl, but a lot of quarterbacks in this league could have won a Super Bowl with that team. Uh, I I don't think. I honestly don't think you improved that much over Case Keenum. Um, you know, he's, he's, you know, kind of that, that middle of the pack starter in this, in this league, uh, quarterbacks. But what you can be excited about is Drew Locke, who I, I was surprised he fell that far in the draft. Um, you know, he, he, as, as I'm watching, uh, you know, players in, you know, like around February, I'm, I'm going back watching, watching old films and from college and get kind of getting ready for draft season. And, um, it, it's funny cause like the season's over. We know who won the national championship. This is all in the past and has no bearing on anything. And I mean, he, he makes some breathtaking throws, but one throw in particular, I remember I, I stood up <laughs> and was like, oh, because it was it, the the guy makes he, he just just makes throws that that wow you, um, and it's good. You know, he's he's the question is, is he going to be ready this year? Um, I think he needs to sit for a little while, and it's good because he actually gets to sit and watch a veteran gunslinger like Joe Flacco for a little while, and uh, I think that's definitely going to help his development. But yeah, Denver fans, you can be you can be a little excited about this guy. Um, but but overall, yeah, I think the passing game has got to prove it. Uh, I think the O line will be better, of course, this year under Mike Munchak than they were last year. You got Emmanuel Sanders still, who's who is a stud. Uh, quick questions are: Can Cortland Sutton improve on as a sophomore, and is Noah Font ready to contribute as a rookie? Uh, he's definitely talented. We'll see if he's ready to get in there. Um, schedule, of course, it's tough. You're in this tough division. You're playing the NFC North and the AFC South. You also got the Browns as a non-division opponent who they still got to prove it. But on paper, that's looking like a tough matchup. Um, Broncos overall, a prediction between seven and nine wins. Uh, it is a... Again, it's a tough schedule. Joe Flacco doesn't really inspire me. Um, you know, ultimately you can stop the pass and you can run the ball. I think that's going to win you some games, but uh, I, I don't think Joe is going to elevate you to the point where you beat the really good opponents. Uh, so, so Denver, I don't think this is your season, but you can be excited about the future. You, you have a quarterback you can be excited about. Um, 
Moving on here, let's talk about the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, oh wait, hang on, sorry, shuffling through my notes here. There we go. Uh, key additions here. Um, got the uh, draft first. You went and uh, took safeties one, safety one, Thornhill, and receiver Michael Cart, uh, Michael Hardman. Uh, and then you went, and whether you were trading or signing, you got guys like Frank Clark, defensive end. Uh, you went and signed uh, Tyran Matthew, Rashad Breeland, both defensive backs. You got defensive ends Emmanuel Ogba and Alex Okafor, uh, running back Carlos Hyde, and linebacker Deron Lee. Um key losses here kind of some people that it's weird to see leave the chiefs in justin houston and eric berry longtime staples there also lost d ford and kareem hunt uh let's talk about your strength sorry let me get some water here ah so talk about your strengths well you got andy reed who outside of bill belichick to me is the best coach in the league. I know he hasn't won a Super Bowl as a head coach, but as a former high school coach, at least myself, one thing I can appreciate is is about his teams. They play so soundly. They play such mistake-free football, which is hard to do when you're just trying to... Like, you know, this is not the exciting thing to talk about, but... Uh, it's football as as an activity. It's hard to get eleven people to do the same thing what they're supposed to do, <laughs> and to do it consistently without mistakes. You know, if if you've played the game, you've probably heard the uh, the saying that um, you know it's it's rare that one team beats another. It's more often that a team beats themselves. You know, the team that makes the fewest mistakes is usually the team that wins, and. Andy Reid's teams throughout his career, they don't make a lot of mistakes. They come ready to play their A game or at, or at least their B-plus game. So you you have to show up ready to play and ready to play a damn good football game to beat Andy's teams. Um, you also have a quarterback in Patrick Mahomes who just can do things other quarterbacks can't do. It's it's like playing with cheat codes, honestly. I mean, it, it's it's ridiculous. He he, this guy makes throws that you're like, you would tell other quarterbacks not to do. It, it's ridiculous. Athletically, with his arm, it's it, it's kind of not fair what he can do. Um, you know, uh, if you're a fan of the game and you didn't live under a rock last year, you saw some of the things he did. I don't need to talk about it too much more. That. We'll see him as a sophomore, as as in his second year. But my God, um, well, and while we're on that, let's talk about his pass catchers. Um, every quarterback wishes that they had Travis Kelsey. Every quarterback in the league wishes they had this guy on their team. He's just a shining beacon of consistency. Uh, you know, runs runs great routes he's going to be where he's supposed to be he's going to be open and he's big and athletic and can catch the ball and 
he's just that reliable first down picking up tight end and and I, I he's always open I don't get it man he, he no I, I, I but he he is just he he's really just a, an asset to have he's that safety blanket that every quarterback wants um we got a question about whether Tyreek will be here at the at the time that I'm recording this the verdict has not been handed down as to whether or not Tyreek will be suspended. But for now, uh, I'm going to operate with the assumption that he's going to be there. And if he is there, uh, this is arguably the most explosive player that there is in the game uh, offensively. He is a threat to score every time he touches the ball. He's absolutely terrifying. Stretches defenses, if not outright breaks them. It's ridiculous. Um, They went and drafted Mecole Hardman. It's seemingly in response to Tyreek potentially getting suspended. Mecole is a speedster. Um, We'll see if he's ready to contribute as a rookie, but they definitely seems to draft him to get that guy who can stretch the defense. They also got Sammy Watkins, who, uh, you know, we're always waiting for him to be that player that his draft status suggested. Uh, you know, we can all remember games back with the Bills even where, uh, what was that game where he was just like, he he made a big stink about not getting the ball enough and then went out and just destroyed whoever that poor team was that, I mean, put up just disgusting numbers. So there are those games where you see the potential and you're like, oh, man, this guy's good. But he doesn't do it very often. Um, We'll see. Another year with the Chiefs. uh, Another year with Andy Reid. And and if he has to be the number one guy, can he be? Uh, You know, we'll we'll find out. Um, It definitely doesn't hurt to have him. Uh, Offensive line... Uh, another position of strength, I think. You got Mitchell Schwartz at right tackle, who is as good as it gets at that position in the league. Eric Fisher at left tackle. He's been a solid starter ever since he was drafted very high a few years ago. Um, last year, Austin Wright, uh, Riders uh, filled in at center, and he actually played pretty well. So uh, he's also being given the, the the job in camp, and he's he's presumably going to be the, the the new center for this team and uh the only thing you got really as far as a uh, question mark or a competition really uh last year he had some injuries at guard so other guys stepped up and actually played pretty well um so this year in in camp you got a competition really it looks like between cam irving uh lauren devaney tardif and andrew wiley and uh i guess we'll find out which two of those three end up starting uh, overall if you got whatever the two best men of those three are pretty solid duo there uh kansas city feel feel pretty confident about your offensive line this year uh as far as positions that need to prove it let's start with running back uh where you lost kareem hunt but you had uh you have damian williams who um, played you know a limited role last year after uh, Hunt and and he he definitely has the skill set that Andy Reid has always coveted uh, as a coach. You know he's he he can run, but he he really is excels as a pass catching 
uh, you know, running back. You know, the guy the guy can do it all. Uh, we'll see if he's ready to be Kareem Hunt, really, and have that big workload. He also went and signed Carlos Hyde. Uh, definitely a guy that can share the load, uh, but I don't think he's the guy you want to be your bell cow. Um, you know, but but he can definitely take some of the load off of Damian Williams in in his first year in this big role. Uh, at linebacker, there's a lot to prove. Actually, Reggie Ragland, he's not a third down, uh, you know, a three down backer. Um, but you also got guys like Anthony Hitchens and Dorian O'Daniel, who did not play like starters last year. They uh, and they, they didn't. Yeah, they're 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 not the two. They're not definitely not guys you want to return starting after last year. I honestly think the best linebacker on your team is the guy that you just went and acquired from the Jets, and uh, Darren Lee. Uh, he'll be given every opportunity to start, and and uh, he should. Um, yeah, there's there's a lot to prove there. Another position to prove. Kind of uh, is the secondary, and only because there's there's so much new here. Um, it's a new era without Eric Berry, but if you got to lose a guy like Eric Berry, it ain't too bad to replace him with a guy like Tyron Matthew. That was a hell of a signing. I don't need to talk up Tyron Matthew. I I don't think um, you got Kendall Fuller returning after the trade with Alex Smith involving Alex Smith last year. Um, you know he's definitely a, a solid player that uh, can play the nickel. Underrated signing is Prashad Breeland at corner. Um, I'm telling you, just just look out for this guy. I, I was uh, definitely not happy as a Raider fan to see them pick this guy up. Uh, he's definitely going to start and and be a quality player for you guys. A um, couple questions, though, are in, uh, you know, who, who's ready to step up? You got uh, Charverius Ward at corner in his second year. Is he is he ready to step in and, and you know, be a starter? Is he ready to play more, uh, you know, and, and play well? Uh, you also got a rookie in Juan Thornhill. Uh, is he ready to also start at safety across from Tyran Matthew? Uh, we'll find out. Um, the other position that's got to prove it, and this is a you know with an asterisk, it's the passing game without Tyreek Hill, and I kind of hinted at that earlier. Uh, again, you know, Tyreek, what he does is he breaks the defense, or he, you know, and, and, and you know, I mean, when he breaks it, I mean he's he's going to go score, he's going to get behind them, or they have to just overcompensate and stretch. Uh, out of fear of him just outrunning everybody or or breaking something loose, and in that case, you it opens up everything underneath. So he he does so much for this team, even when he doesn't have the ball. And so the question is, can they be as effective without him? And is Hardman ready to contribute as a rookie? Um. So uh, that said, uh, looking forward again. Same story as everybody. The schedule's tough. You're in the AFC West. Uh, you got to play the NFC North and the AFC South. They've also got to play the Patriots. I don't need to talk about how that's a tough game. You also got the Ravens, though, who 
are definitely going to run the ball a lot this year, whether it's the quarterback or the running back. They're going to run the ball a lot and challenge that linebacking core, which, like I said, has a lot to prove. So that's a tough game for them. Um, but overall, prediction, 9-11 to wins. Um, it's hard to bet against Reed and Mahomes. But they have a lot of question marks on defense. And, uh, again, is Tyreek Hill going to be there? Um, moving on here. I'm gonna, this is going longer than I thought. But <laughs> let's, uh, let's try to get the Chargers in here. So you got some uh, your key, key additions here. Uh, really, the only, the only free agent um, I wanted to mention was Thomas Davis, a veteran definitely a veteran linebacker who has uh who i got a lot of respect for in the draft though you, you got a couple of really good players in defensive tackle jerry tillery out of notre dame you got a safety in the zero adlerly uh very good players we'll talk about in a minute key losses receiver tyrell williams who i talked about earlier you also lost Corey legit um he didn't play much last year, but still, uh, you know, quality player uh, for them. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see how, how big a loss that really is for them. Also, you lost Antonio Gates, who, who that's not a big impact. Uh, his loss won't be a big impact on the team, but it's Antonio Gates. I had to mention it. He's, he's a legend there. Um, so talking about the strengths of this team um that is the wrong page <laughs> all right so talking about the strengths of this team um <clears throat> well philip rivers i mean you got the, the guy is great he does not get enough credit for it the guy um he he should he should get really more credit for how well he played while keeping this team afloat during the rebuild that they've done for a a number of years now. Um, uh, You know, the the guy, I I admit, I did not like Phillip Rivers early on, not just because he was a charger, but he he was a loud mouth, you know, shit talking quarterback, but he, (laughs) he's, he's, definitely calm down older. he he's he's a class act he is uh and just one hell of a quarterback man um couple that with ken wisenhunt's play calling ability and you know you 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 definitely can feel pretty confident in your passer here um a little side note i think you guys got uh quite an asset in ken wisenhunt not only is he one of the best play callers and offensive minds in the game. I don't know if he's the, unless they have just an incredible offensive year. I don't know if he's a guy that is going to get another head coaching shot, which means you probably just get to keep him as long as this, as this train's rolling down there in in San Diego, or no, it's not San Diego, in in LA. Um, So I, good, good for you guys, not good for Ken, but that, yeah, he's, he's a great play caller. Um, talk about your receivers, tight ends here. You got Keenan Allen, who was finally healthy last year and just as great as we remember from years ago when he was healthy. Definitely a number one receiver. This guy is uh, as reliable a weapon as you can have for Phillip Rivers. 
You got tight end Hunter Henry, who was promising in his first two years, but injured all of last year. Um, you know, but he had a whole he's had all the whole year now to to recover. Uh, if he's healthy, uh, you know, hopefully hopefully for the Chargers, he's he's back on track and ready to build on those first two years. Um, Mike Williams, former first round pick, is he ready to take on a big role? He played well last year. Um, but you know, look, look for him to really step up and and be that number two. And and I mean, between Keenan Allen and Mike Williams, I I I think you have potential here to have two thousand yard receivers. Honestly, they're both uh, you know that that good. And uh, third to that, you got Travis Benjamin, who. He did. He was not what they hoped for last year, but uh, you know he's talented. We'll see if he can bounce back. Um, but overall, I feel like you can be pretty happy with those targets for Phil. Uh, running back, you got Melvin Gordon, who is as good as anyone in the league. Uh, you know, we last year got to watch that guy we remember from Wisconsin who just tore it up. Um, but you also behind him got Austin Eckler, who's just a great contributor to have. Um, you know, really, if something happens to Melvin, the guy is is ready to come in and play. Um, great football. Wait, hang on. I'm at the maximum time, so give me just a second. I'll come right back to this. All right, sorry about that. This app I'm using to record, I didn't realize had a maximum. But um, anyway, Austin Eckler, yeah. Um, definitely a guy that, uh, he, he is a guy who can contribute, take some of the load off of Melvin Gordon and, and is a little bit different skill set than Melvin. Uh, but also just is a great asset to have as a backup. Um, how about that D-line and pass rush, too? Um, it's a scary division to be a quarterback, i got to say. Uh, you got Joey Bosa, who was a stud last year when he came back from injury. Um, and you got Melvin Gordon, or sorry, sorry, Melvin Ingram uh, on the other edge. That, that duo, you know, again, is one of the reasons you need two tackles in this division. Um... You got Brandon Meebane as a solid veteran presence on the inside uh, that uh, they got to come back. But man, Jerry Tillery, I was not happy on draft day to see that. This is a guy that you, you know. You never know who who how people are going to respond to the jump from college to the NFL. But I, I tell you what, I think Jerry can be a star very early in his career. Um. The secondary, oh, man, Derwin James. Last year, Derwin James was one of the best safeties in the league. Oh, he was also a rookie. It's, this guy, there's nothing he can't do. There's nothing you can ask a safety to do that Derwin James cannot do very well. Uh, the, the guy was an absolute stud. I he can only improve as a in his second year but i don't know how um oh he he's just a scary player uh at corner you got uh Casey Hayward and Desmond King very good duo of corners Desmond more of a, like a nickel um 
you got uh, Trevor Williams, um, who's in that mix if he's healthy, coming off of a knee injury. Uh, the, you know, the, the Chargers used a lot of personnel in the secondary last year, partly due to a scheme that used a lot of looks and partly due to injuries. Um, you, know, you know, you got you got guys who played, you know, a lot of quality minutes there. You got Adrian Phillips returning at safety, played well last year. But you got Nazir Adderley, too, in the draft. And this is a guy who was just a stud in coverage in in every way possible in 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 college and uh we'll see if he's ready to go if he's ready to contribute early as a rookie that is one hell of an asset um you know he really can be uh you know that 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 kind of modern day defensive back that i talked about earlier like lamarcus joiner where he he can jump in and cover whoever you need him to and and really just make sure that the defense is in the right call. Um, so yeah, you in the NFL, you need to in in this day and age, you need a lot of quality defensive backs. Chargers have got that. Uh, positions that need to prove it. You got the offensive line. Um, they're returning the same offensive line as last year, which needs improvement. Russell Okung played well at that left tackle. You got Mike Pouncey, who had a down year, um, but we know how good he can be. He's just got to bounce back this year. Maybe maybe it could be just as simple as another year with the team and you know with with this uh, with this group. Um, at guards, you've got Dan Feeney and Michael Schofield, and at right tackle, you have Sam Tevy and. All of these guys need big improvement. None of them played very well last year. Um, you know, it's it's kind of surprising that they're rolling with the same unit. But I gotta say, as a guy who played and coached offensive line, um, you know, another year together can only help. Cohesion is probably the most important thing along that offensive line. So uh, playing together. Um, they can only get better. They really can, but they need to get a lot better. Let me tell you that much. At linebacker, uh, you know, it, it, you only got to prove it in in a in a sense that you got Denzel Perryman, who uh, you just got to see if he can get back to form after a knee injury that he, he had last year. Um, still fairly young guy, and he's gonna have. Uh, a hell of a mentor in Thomas Davis. Uh, Thomas Davis is not young, but he hasn't slowed down yet. So uh, that's a guy that I'm not really going to doubt him until he gives reason to. Uh, he's been a, a consistently uh, high-quality linebacker as we've seen in, in the league over the past I don't know how long he's played uh, over over there uh, for the Panthers, and so I, I think that was a really quality, really high quality uh, signing. Um, and you know, Denzel can only improve with him there uh, in this in in the league this year, and especially the way they played last year. You only really play two linebackers, so if those are your two, if they're healthy, you know, you don't have a lot to prove, but a little bit there. So. Um, with that said, 
the Los Angeles Chargers. Um, again, a lot of the same. Tough schedule, tough division. Got to play the NFC North and AFC South. You got to play the Steelers and Dolphins. Um, you know, Steelers are a pretty solid team. Lost, uh, lost AB. So we'll see how they how they do without him. You got the Dolphins. That should be again the Chargers win. Um, overall uh, prediction, I'm looking at somewhere between nine and eleven wins. You definitely got offensive line questions. Um, you know. The, the receiving core healthy uh, is is as good as it as you can really ask for with that with a quarterback like Philip Rivers I mean that could be that could be a team that puts up a lot of points uh, really only thing holding you back there is is health which was a problem in in for a while in in there with the Chargers and and that man that offensive line. You, you 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 need you need all the help you can get there so um yeah that is how i see the afc west shaking up i know i gave all of them around 500 or better obviously that's not going to happen uh they're you know it, it's just they're all good teams they're all pretty quality you know high, you know solid teams and uh, I think it's inevitable one of them, it, it, you know, is, is de- definitely going to have a, a losing record. But I think it'll really come down to injuries. There, I think all the teams are going to play a high level of football. It's just going to be who's unfortunate. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah. So that's the AFC West uh, for this week. I want to wrap up with something here, like a little food for thought segment. Just a, just want to add these short segments, maybe every episode, maybe just once in a while, but just something random that I want to spotlight. Um, I'm sure in the future I'll do an episode that's all about Hall of Fame snubs, but since we talked about the Chargers today, I want to talk about, in my opinion, the worst Hall of Fame snub still outstanding. And that is former Chargers coach Don Coriel. Uh, you don't know who this guy is. He is uh, the father of what was called the Air Coriel offense. It's an offense uh, that was very, uh, you know, ran on rhythm, timing, uh, spacing, and it made passing simple. Now, the thing to keep in mind is he. He he coached at a time when nobody was doing these things, but everybody does it now. Every offense in the NFL is influenced by Don Coryell. Every one of them. And uh, you know, let's let's go back to when <laughs> when uh, he was at San Diego State as the head coach in uh, 1961, 1972. You know, I mean, he the guy was very. The guy was very honest. It was, uh, you know, this was a day and age when everybody would line up in the eye and pound the ball at each other. And he couldn't compete with, you know, USC and UCLA right there, uh, you know, not not too far from him. Because they just, they didn't recruit the same level of talent. And he knew this. If you try to beat them at their game, you're not going to win. So his strategy was, let's throw the ball like hell. That would be the equalizer. 
uh, and that equalizer led him to a record of 104, 19, and 2. So it did, it worked pretty well for them over there. Uh, just nobody was throwing the ball nearly as much as, as they were back then. Let's fast forward uh, to 1978 and 1986 when he became the head coach of the San Diego Chargers. Um, and during that time, they were doing some things on offense that very few, if any, teams did. Some of those things were like throwing the ball more than you run the ball using a formation that only has a single running back, a move tight end, uh, you know, a tight end that can split out wide or a motion from the backfield, uh, like an F. Um, they had a guy named Kellen Winslow, very athletic tight end. They decided, hey, why are we having him line up on the line of scrimmage and, and be a classic blocking tight end and, and have him run short routes and get beat up by linebackers. Let's let him go run receiver routes. That was, that was like crazy back then. I know everybody does it now. That just did not happen back then. Um, they used that, uh, uh, they heavily used motion on like every play, uh, to try to create mismatches and, you know, things every team does. Nobody like very few of any teams did that. Also option routes, a staple of modern day offenses, crazy concept back then. Um, another thing that he gave us was the route tree. So if you ever played the game, if you ever played receiver and you had a route that was a number, you can thank this guy for it. So it used to be, or other offenses at the time would just be like, you, you know, especially like, like the West Coast offense, calling a play was like a paragraph. And Don just went out there and was like, what? rather than telling all everybody what to do in words, why don't we just say something like 839 F flat? Real simple. And based on those numbers, you knew what route you were supposed to run. 839 F flat. It meant we're going to run a post and out and a go. And then you add something like F flat to tell the F to go to the fullback to go to the flats. And real quick, just like that, you have a play and you're ready to go. Um, so what I want to spotlight here is, is Don Coriel. He never won a Super Bowl, but forget that for a second. They put up disgusting passing numbers and offensive numbers in general at a time in, in the 80s when nobody was doing anything close to what they were doing. He brought in all these concepts that were crazy at the time, and now everybody does. I, I, I'm not kidding. Every offense in the NFL this year is going to do something that Don Coryell either invented or brought into vogue in the NFL. Um, you know, he's never a guy that's mentioned along with the Bill Walsh's and Bill Belichick's and Don Shula's and, you know, the all-time great coaches, but he really should be. And, you know, those guys are given that, you know, credit because, you know, Super Bowls, and I get that. But Don Coryell's impact on the game is at least as great as those guys. Um, and, you know, here's my case for him to be in the Hall of Fame. You know, the Hall of Fame to me is not just a collection of people that won the Super Bowl. You should be able to take somebody to Canton and look at all those busts and all the players that are in there 
and through those people and players, coaches, whatever, through all those people there, you should be able to tell the story of professional football. And you cannot tell the story of professional football without Don Coriel. And that's food for thought. Uh, thank you for listening to the first episode of Rover Football Podcasts. Uh, you know, I'm going to be honest. Don't know the full uh, what we're going to do here. I think we're going to try to do at least every other week. I really want to pump these out in the off season here. Um, but you can follow us on Instagram at RoverPods uh, or email at RoverPods at gmail.com. And through that Instagram, I'll try to keep updated and let you know what's going on. But anyway, I've been T.R. Taylor. Thank you.